again, Pastor Allen. It's good to see everyone. Uh, we're in a series called Not Falling in Love, But Staying in Love. And this is part four of four, so we'll move on to something new, different next week. And the title of today's teaching is Multiple Choice Marriage, Not Multiple Choice Marriages. All right? Uh, that'll make a little more sense in a few minutes. Uh, before we jump in this morning... I, in this series, I've tried to be as practical as possible, and we say that the Bible is uh, a manual for living, like you have a manual for your and some people think of it as a bunch of don'ts, but there's a lot of do's in there, and we've been talking about the do's, and we believe that makes your life better, your relationships better, even if you're not a Jesus follower, and if you're not, we're glad you're here, but even if you're not, these principles will make your relationship and your life better. We talk about uh, falling in love is easy. In fact, sometimes we do it when we don't want to. Uh, with someone we don't want to. Falling in love, just if you're breathing, you can fall in love. But staying in love, that's a whole different ballgame. It's much more difficult. It takes a plan. You've got to have some action steps, some things you do uh, to stay in love. And we started with a, a question from a a movie, actually, of a teenage girl who was pregnant, and she was asking her dad, I wonder sometimes if people ever stay together for good, like people in love. Dad, I need to know that it's possible for two people to stay in love and stay happy together forever. And we said it's possible, but not probable. Divorce statistics and our experience, people you know aren't happily married. Um, seem to say that it's, that it's not probable. If I was to say to you, though, it's not probable, even if you're not in a relationship right now, you think it's possible for you, don't you? Because that's in all of us. And we, we said that's the image of God in us, the, the need to connect, and to connect in a di- deeper level than just friends. Uh, uh, connect with God, and then connect with another person in a closeness and intimacy. And that's what we all want, or almost all of us want. And uh, we believe that's the image of God. So even if I said this is difficult, you believe it's possible for you, even, again, if you're not in a relationship right now. Now, we use Jesus as a model, and, and we use this phrase, Jesus modeled this, we need to make love a verb. It's not something that happens to you, it's something that you do. Uh, it takes effort and, and, and planning and work and so forth. Sometimes we fall in love almost accidentally, so we think that staying in love will be the same, but it's, it, it's different. And Jesus is our model, and he loved us enough to suffer and die for us, so he actually did something to show his love for us. Now, last week, if you missed last week, it's, or all these uh, teachings are online, but we, if you missed last week, I introduced you to somebody. I introduce you to Mr. and Mrs. Mug. Now, Mr. and Mrs. Mug, they met in college and got married. They fell in love and got married. And after they're married for about a month, all of a sudden they, and I'm not going to do it because I want to pick these up again. <laughs> they pumped each other and stuff comes out. And we used the word last week, baggage, all right? Baggage comes out. This is stuff, these are shortcomings, these are bad habits, these are uh, hurts that we accumulated in our life, either growing up with our parents or at home or in other relationships. And so when something <laughs> uh, happens and we bump into each other, 
stuff comes out. And only stuff that can come out is stuff that's inside, right? And so we talked about that last week. We brought them back this week so they could hear today's teaching, all right? (laughs) But anyway, uh, today's about choice, multiple choice. And actually, it's just two choices. (laughs) And uh, we're going to talk about a habit, a choice habit that we should have and we did have when we were dating, we fell in love. We almost did it without thinking. And then somewhere along the line, we stopped doing it. And the fact that we stopped undermines our relationships. And we're going to look at something Paul wrote. Paul wrote a lot of the New Testament. He wrote letters to churches he had started. And we're going to look at something he wrote to a church in Corinth. And he wrote multiple letters. We're going to look at the first letter. And if you've been in church or hanging around church for a while, you probably know this chapter. In fact, it has a name. 1 Corinthians 13, we call what? There's the answer right there. Uh, 1 Corinthians 13 is called the what? The what chapter? The love chapter. So it's about love. It kind of describes love. And if you're married and you got married in a church, they probably read some of this in your uh, wedding ceremony. You probably didn't pay attention to it, but they read it in in your wedding ceremony. And as we read through it, especially at the beginning, it's all going to sound good. That's good advice, good reminders, things that I need to do, need to do better, I need to think about. So we go through the list. It's going to, yeah, you can check these things off. But when we get to the end, there's the problem. When we get to the end, Paul's going to say something. He's actually going to say it in four phrases. He's going to say something that, that you and I are going to push back on. We're going to say, all of those stuff's good advice. This is really, I don't think this is good advice. And so that's what we're going to spend most of our time on this morning. So let's get started. First Corinthians chapter 13, verse 4. Love is patient. That's something we would agree with? Something, probably a good idea? Yeah, I should be patient with my loved ones, whether it's spouse or children, whoever. I should be patient. I shouldn't be impatient. So Paul, I agree with you there. I should be kind, all right? It shouldn't be unkind, shouldn't be mean. I should be kind to the person I love more than anybody else. Even though my wife would tell you, occasionally tells me, you need to be nice. <laughs> I'm not nice. Uh, can't be nice all the time. I'm sorry. But anyway, uh, being nice, being kind is a good thing. Check. Uh, it's not, I'm not jealous. You know, my wife and I aren't jealous of each other. We've, you know, we've been together a long time. We have no reason to be jealous. Uh, sometimes she'll come back from the grocery store and said, you know, some guy was following around in the grocery store. Uh, and I think it's funny. She thinks it's funny. But anyway, I'm not jealous, boastful, or proud. Pride's the root of all sin. So when I think I'm somebody or if I'm more important to you, that causes problems, causes problems in relationship. We'd agree with that. Shouldn't be rude. Shouldn't be, again, mean to anybody. So, Paul, yeah, 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 that's all good advice. That's, we agree with all that. Then he goes on. Doesn't demand its own way. So if I'm in a relationship, I shouldn't be, demand what I want all the time. It should be at least give and take, right? Demand my own way. Shouldn't be irritable. I shouldn't be easily upset. Again, a kind of opposite of patient. Now, here's one that, that's a little more difficult. Keeps no record of being wronged. That's the old joke. The guys are talking at work and he says, hey, my wife got historical last night. And the guy says, don't you mean hysterical? He said, no, historical. She was bringing up stuff from years ago that I did wrong. (laughs) All right. So we're good at that. And if you've been married for a while, you know, you can bring up some of that stuff. And good marital advice is no record of wrongs. 
my wife had gotten pretty my wife and I got pretty good at this over the years. We just said, no, that, that's in the past. And it, it, it just doesn't get brought up anymore, all right? It was forgetting, for, forgiven, hopefully, if not forgotten, um, it doesn't cause a disruption in relationship. So, keeps no record of being wronged. So, good advice. Yes, that'll help my relationships. Doesn't rejoice about injustice, but rejoices whenever the truth wins out. Now, sometimes we get a little problems in our relationship because we try and prove we're right or try and prove that we win. We'll talk about that in a minute, but uh, we, we want truth. We want what's best. We'll all agree with that. So that's a pretty good list. We'd all agree with, help us in our relationships. Now we're going to get to the next verse, and Paul's going to use four phrases. He uses one word four times in these four phrases, and he's trying to make one important point, really important. And this is about a habit you and I need to develop if we haven't, or one we had when we were dating that we've lost for whatever reason. So here it is. I'm going to read it in King James first, because some of us church people, this is the way we remember it. Bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things, and endures all things. Uh, Most of us have newer translations of the Bible, so we're going to read it out of a newer translation and talk about it. It always, this is love, love always protects, always trusts, always hopes, always perseveres. Now, wait a minute, Paul. That doesn't sound like good advice. That doesn't even seem like it makes sense. That doesn't even seem like it's logical. That actually, that kind of sounds like love is blind. And as we're going to see, that kind of is blind. That almost sounds codependent. It doesn't sound healthy, does it? But Paul, again, is trying to teach us a principle that's critical. And not just your spouse or loved one's relationship, but with, you know, all relationships, especially with parents, with children, etc. Protects, trusts, hopes, and perseveres. So we're going to state it this way, and hopefully something way to remember it. There is a gap between what we expect in our relationships and how people behave, Right? You can shake your heads. If you've been married for a while or been in a conversation for a while, we have these expectations, but they they don't always follow through over here. And that's when Mr. and Mrs. Mugg sometimes bump into each other, isn't it? So we're going to kind of give you a little uh, word picture and simplify it as best we can this morning. So we have expectations, and we have behavior, and there's always, I'm going to say always, Almost always. Sometimes I guess they match, but there's almost always a gap. All right? In fact, when there isn't, then there's, there's no issues, right? So uh, whenever there's a gap between expectations and behavior, that's the problem. That's when we have to make a choice, a decision. And we can say it this way. Every gap, every time there is a gap, we put something. We make a choice. It's not neutral. We can't help it. In our relationships, when there is a gap between expectations and behavior, we put something. We choose something. It basically boils down to two choices, two options. We either believe the best 
or assume the worst. Now, where do you go? Where do you go when there's that gap? When he or she doesn't meet your expectations. He said he was going to be home at 6 o'clock. It's 6.30. He hasn't called. He's got a cell phone. Doesn't he know dinner is getting cold? Where's your mind go? We have a budget. She's supposed to only spend this much money on groceries. She spent more money on groceries. Uh, where's your mind go? Last week I was talking about dirty socks. I... By the way, I do not leave my dirty socks laying on the floor. Just an illustration, okay? <laughs> he leaves the dirty socks on the floor. He doesn't put them in the hamper, dirty clothes. Where does your mind go? So, do you choose to believe the best? Get that up. I think it's next slide. Yeah. Do you choose to believe the best? Well, you know... He probably, there's just bad traffic, and uh, in Maryland, you can't usually use your cell phone in your hand, or maybe his battery in his cell phone died, and uh, maybe he stopped along the road to help somebody, uh, maybe he stopped to buy me a present, you know. <laughs> Believe the best, okay, when he's late. Well, you know, she spent more money on the groceries than we had budgeted, but maybe, she, you know, she wanted to feed somebody that was sick or help somebody that, uh, you know, help them cheer them up or, you know, maybe she bought it to throw, me, throw a party for me, you know. She spent more money and we'll, we'll move some money around in the budget, you know, assume the best. And, you know, he forgot to pick up his, his dirty clothes, but, you know, he's, really, he's got a lot on his mind. He's really busy, stressed out at work, and, and it's a big deal if I pick him up, all right? We can choose to believe the best or assume the worst. He never comes home on time. He has no good reason. He, you know, he could have called. He didn't call. Uh, same old, same old. You know, she bought, you know, steak when we could have eaten a hamburger, and now her budget's blown, and, you know, what is she thinking? She's not thinking. I've told him a hundred, if I've told him once, I've told him a hundred times to pick up his socks. He's never going to learn to do this. I'm always going to have to pick him up. He doesn't care about me. If he did, if he loved me, he would pick him up, right? Assume the worst. Now, in deciding what we put in the gap, we basically, there's two factors that, that determine what that is. Now, the first is the facts. <laughs> that makes sense, right? What you see. It's 6.30. He said he'd be home at 6 o'clock. The facts are he's late. We have the budget line item in our budget. She spent more money than that. The rule around this house is you don't leave your dirty clothes on the floor, and he left his dirty clothes. That's one part of the equation. That's one of the determining factors about what we put in the gap. The other is who you are. And this is what we talked about last week. What beads are in you? And this is the harder part, right? What uh, <clears throat> shortcomings you have? What, you know, we're all coded, uh, uh, little uh, dysfunctional. What are our, my dysfunctions? Again, what are my beads? What are my uh, uh, things that I've lacked? Where am I unhealthy? These all things factor into how I see or fill in the gaps. We all have hurts, habits, and hang-ups that affect our relationships uh, negatively. In fact, the biggest one is probably fear. You know, 
he came home late. My fear is he doesn't care about me. If he was, he would come home late. Uh, my fear is she's going to keep blowing the budget and event, you know, we're going to retire and we're not have anything. You know, these fears, we just blow these things up. And so uh, that influences what we put in the gap. So where do you go when you have the gap between expectations and behavior? Now, I know you all have your sad stories. And I've been in ministry a long time. I've heard lots of sad stories. I'm not belittling your stories or, or thinking it's not sad. It probably is. But I've probably heard sadder stories. It's just the reality of being in ministry a long time. So, what do you do about your sad story situation? All right, I ask you where your mind goes. Where does her or his, the other person's mind go when there's a gap between the expectations and the behavior? Did it choose to believe the best? My wife kind of fits into this category, thankfully for me. She normally chooses to believe the, ble- the best. Uh, there's an explanation. Now, came across some really, I thought, fascinating research. And, of course, these people research everything. So they're researching relationships... And uh, they'd come to a conclusion about unhealthy relationships, couples that break up. And they came to the conclusion the major factor, the common denominator, and all these couples that break up is they have this misunderstanding of each other. They're kind of like this. You know, they, they just misunderstand each other. So they researched healthy couples. Couples have been together for at least 10 years and described themselves as happily married. And so they had this assumption, if unhealthy marriage is the common denominator, is misunderstanding, the common denominator of healthy marriage is going to be what? They have this good, clear understanding of each other, right? That's what they thought. So they interviewed a bunch of couples, obviously. And so they gave surveys to, like the husband, and he would fill it out. And then they would ask the wife to fill it out about him. And almost completely across the board, she would rate him higher than he rated himself. And vice versa. She would rate herself and then he would rate her higher than she rated herself. Almost completely across the board. And instead of having realistic expectations of each other, they had unrealistic in a good way. In fact, they came to the conclusion that love is kind of blind. Right? Now, couples are always in spirals, either a spiral up or a spiral down, a a negative spiral or a positive spiral. And so in these healthy couples, they saw this positive spiral, if you will, and they they explained it this way. Um, They labeled it a positive illusion, all right? Their spouse is like this, but they think they're like this, all right? So there's a positive illusion. may not necessarily be true, but it's a positive illusion. It leads to a conviction. They truly believe it. True or not, they, they believe it. So consequently, it leads to security. And especially to, to females, they t- tell us that security is a biggie. To feel loved, you need to feel secure, you know, financially, emotionally, etc. So consequently, they felt secure which led to intimacy and love. Now, if you've ever been in love, back in your dating days, 
You did this, didn't you? Because your parents or your siblings or your friends would tell you, you know, she's got this fault or that fault, and you, no, 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 it's nothing, it's no big deal, whatever, right? We've all done this back at least at the beginning. And they, couples that stay in love continually do this. This is the basis for strong, they would say, healthy relationships. So they summarized it with this advice. They said, in your relationships, find the most, and this is a really cool word, right? It's a good word. Generous explanation, and then believe it. Just dream up, think up, what is the most generous, positive explanation I can have of this? And then choose to believe it. So when there's a gap between expectations and behavior, the most generous explanation. So again, yeah, he's probably stopped along the road to help somebody else. That's why he's late. No big deal. I can warm the dinner up. Right? Again, um, Again, she spent more money than she should have there, but again, we can read just the budget, and she's probably helping somebody. You know, my wife, she's helping somebody. <laughs> she's being generous to somebody else, so I'm going to be generous in my feelings toward her. When there's a gap, what do you do? Now, some of you may think it's hopeless. Again, socks on the floor for the hundredth time. You're in that negative cycle, that downward cycle. Now, here's what I want you to understand. You're right. (laughs) He did do that. You're absolutely right. We talked about this last week. So if you're right, he is wrong. And if you win, he what? Loses. And in a relationship, if one partner loses, both of you lose. And I'm an extremely competitive guy, and this is a real problem at the beginning of our marriage because every argument, I had to win. Uh, let, let me just tell you, that's a disaster. <laughs> don't, don't go there, all right? <clears throat> so you can choose to be right. You may be right, but you lose. So let's go back to what he said in the verse that we said, ah, that doesn't seem very realistic. It always protects. Now, somebody breaks into your house, you protect your loved ones, right? All right. So, why don't we protect them emotionally <clears throat> as much as physically? So, yeah, I agree. Always be protective. Always trust, please. Again, <clears throat> Paul, that seems unrealistic. Well, got a choice. To think the best, think the worst. Um, I think relationship will, will, will be better if I choose, choose, choose to believe. Uh, hope. Believers hope. And, and perseverance. Don't, just stay in there. Don't give up. <clears throat> now, how do you do that? Well, how do you do that? Well, it goes back to what we talked about. When there's a gap between expectations and assumptions, I don't choose to assume the worst. Because when I do that... I'm contributing to the downfall of the relationship. Even if I'm 100% right. I'm contributing. Now let me just tell you this about your spouse, your loved one, your partner. 
They do not want to disappoint you, even your kids. They do not want to disappoint you. But when they do, and we assume the worst, we act negatively, they feel like, I'm a loser. I'm going to never measure up. Let me ask you, when you feel that way, does that draw you to that other person? I don't want to be around that person. So the other option is to believe the best. When there's a gap between expectations and behavior, I choose to believe the best. And experts tell us this is creating margin in your relationship. And when I, my spouse gives me the shadow of the doubt or, or some, you know, believes the best, am I going to move closer to her or away from her? That's going to cause me to move closer to her. And parents, talk about parents parenting too much this morning, but this is so important to raising healthy kids, isn't it? To believe in them, no matter how many times they mess up. Or we can make them afraid of us. So are your kids afraid of you? Are your spouse afraid of you? See, trust leads to acceptance. This is biggie for, for all relationships. Trust leads to acceptance. We all want to feel accepted, and Jesus God accepts us just like we are, so that's a need we have, a built-in need. Put that slide up, please. (laughs) Thank you. So, when there's a gap between expectations and behavior, what are you going to do? Are you going to build trust, or are you going to tear down trust? Are you going to make the person feel accepted, or push them away, unaccepted? So you can use the gap for your advantage, to the advantage of your relationship. Say, yes, this is the reality. The socks are on the floor. But I choose to assume the best. I choose to put the relationship over this rule I have to put your dirty clothes away. Let me just put it this way. Why not choose to believe? the best. Let me ask you, how is it working for you choosing choosing to believe the worst? If that's working for you, fine, but I don't think it does. Not relationally. And here's, here's the reason why. Our hearts are drawn toward environments of acceptance. So when you feel accepted by your parents, or your spouse, or somebody else, especially God, our hearts are drawn there. Yeah, and that's the way God's wired us. When you're not trusting, when you're not accepting of your spouse, for example, they may come home from work, but their heart doesn't come with them because they're not drawn there. So it depends upon if we accept them or we reject them. I like to say it this way. I will trust them until I can't trust them anymore. And I know some of you have trusted your spouse way past when you should have. But if you're going to err, that's the best way to err. Now, we're talking about this stuff for four weeks. I'm going to just kind of give you the bottom line here. If you don't remember, in a little exercise I gave you last week, let me know how that went. Because we we did it on the way home last week (laughs) about figuring out what you're feeling. Because my first feeling was frustration, so I had to to identify it. (laughs) And then I said it out loud, actually, to my wife in the car. So let me know how that went, went for you. 
But here's the bottom line. Don't remember all the stuff I, that we taught, talked about. Jesus simplified it for us. Here's what you do in your relationships. All right? Do unto others as you would have them do to you. Now, when your relationships are bad, when they're spiraling downward, what, do you, what are you doing? You're doing unto others what they have done to you, right? <laughs> You're reacting. No, 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 no. Uh, well, let me ask you, how's that working for you? Is that working for you? Uh, I know it isn't because as Jesus said just the opposite. Do unto others as you would have them do to you. So if you don't remember anything else, just remember this one thing. That's the choice I make. So if I was late coming home from work and didn't call... I would like them to believe the best. If I spent a line item over, out of the budget, I would want them to believe the best. Left dirty clothes, I would want them to believe the best. So that's pretty simple to remember, right? Do unto others as you would have them do unto you. Now, I know some of you are hard-nosed. I keep the budget. I would want them to expect me to keep the budget. So I expect them to keep the budget. No, 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 no. Okay. All right. Do unto others, maybe as you would want, you know, a, re- a distant relative or a friend, maybe the friend, because sometimes our spouses aren't our friends, okay? That's the choice we all make. We either believe the best or assume the worst. Where do you go? Now, this is not, this is really important to have healthy relationships. But it's important for a couple of other really big reasons. One, especially if you've got children, you are modeling a marriage relationship to them, right? That's what you're doing. You're modeling. And especially maybe if your parents divorced, or maybe if you have a divorce in your uh, past, you, they are learning how to do this from you. And what kind of marriage relationship do you want your children to have? So that's a biggie, right? I got four kids, they're all married, now I got ten grandkids, I hope they all have healthy relationships. But maybe even a bigger reason, this is probably the biggest, for a better word, evangelistic tool we have to our culture. Because everybody wants to stay in love, and if we know how to do it, and if we do it, and they're outsiders looking in at us as Jesus followers and say, I, I don't believe in all that Jesus stuff, but I want to know how to love my spouse like you love your spouse. And it's not because we feel like we're better than them, because we're not. In fact, we know we're not better than them. It's just that we know that Jesus died for us, and he modeled this kind of sacrificial love for us. And so we choose to love that way also. So, four weeks later, here's a question. My goal is what in your relationships? Is your goal to win? You can win and your relationship lose. Or is my goal to stay in love? I choose to have a generous explanation of this situation. I choose to be patient and kind and hopeful. And like I've said before, this is something we can learn. That's encouraging to me. 
It's something I can't learn. I'm stuck. This is something we can learn, and hopefully we've given you some practical steps or exercises to do that. Um, This series is online. Uh, If you need to go back and refer to it, hopefully it's been helpful to you. It's always helpful to me when I teach it, and so uh, share it with others. And we'll do something else, start something else next week. We'll have a prayer, and the band leads on one last song, and we'll let you go. Thank you, God, for uh, the greatest demonstration of love the world's ever seen, and you're sending your son to die for us, for us sinners, us people that really didn't deserve it. Uh, we thank you that that's unconditional. And uh, God, we, we know you've done that for us. It's really hard for us to do sometimes in our love relationships. But with your help, uh, we can do this. Uh, not only will we benefit, our children benefit, but our whole world, our culture can benefit. So again, we thank you, Jesus, for what you did for us. Uh, if you're not a Jesus follower, we want to pray for you this morning that... Uh, you accept that, that sacrificial gift, that unconditional love. You don't need to change yourself. You don't need to understand a whole lot. You just need to know that you want to connect with the Almighty, that intimate way, and you want your, your relationships, all of them, to be better. Thank you, God, that in, in Jesus, this is, a, this is a gift. And we thank you in Jesus' name. You've got your connect cards. Let us know any kind of decisions, questions, comments you have. Again, let me know how that little exercise from last week worked for you. I'd I'd appreciate that. Thanks.